0: You're listening to Fathoms and Enneagram Podcast, discovering our inner depths one fathom at a time.
1: Well, friends, welcome to another episode of Fathoms and Enneagram Podcast. Uh, we are uh, really excited to bring you this, uh, what we're calling a, a short series of bonus episodes on some resources that we think are really helpful and important for our listeners to know about. And so with us, uh, given that theme, we have Scott Allender and Ashley Sikorsky, who do all sorts of things in the Enneagram space, uh, one of those being Sway Leadership, and they're going to talk to us about all of these things. So thank you both for being here. It's good to have you.
2: Thanks for having us. Exciting. Yes,
3: I'm happy to be here. Scott and Ashley, thanks so much for being here. I'm excited to meet you guys. Yeah,
2: you as well. Can
4: you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Yeah, yeah, I can go first. Um, so my name is Ashley Sikorsky. I grew up in Southern California, but spent most of my adult life in Portland, Oregon. But now I'm located in the Midwest, Iowa City, Iowa. And I've been really interested in natural plant dyeing and learning German. Um, been quite obsessed with the German <laughs> language lately. Um, and then by profession, I am really grateful that I get to be paid to pay attention to people and listen and ask questions and do Enneagram work alongside Scott. And as you know, we'll talk a little bit about some of the, the products we were able to create together. But yeah, that's where I spend a lot of my time is in both those like art spaces where like, I'm doing kinesthetic things, and then um, being able to be in these uh, spaces where we're talking about emotions and the human condition and what does it mean to be human. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me.
0: Do you have German heritage?
4: Nine, no. <laughs> <laughs> Although okay. my mom, she's from uh, former Yugoslavia, now Serbia. And before they immigrated to the States, they were in Hamburg. In Germany, just for a little bit before being able to come okay. back to the states. Good
2: question.
0: Fascinating. Okay. Do you have where, German where,
4: heritage, Creek?
0: <laughs> I am. I am Danish, actually. Oh. Yes.
5: So. Ashley, you could probably see all the intrigue in our faces when you started talking <laughs> about that topic. Where? Where did that? Uh, what stimulated that for you? Where did that come from?
4: Yeah. Well, I turned thirty this year. And I spent the summer in Berlin, Germany, and there was all of these um, folks from different countries who spoke a myriad of languages. And growing up in the States, as I'm sure all of you did, (laughs) you either took four years of Spanish and French by the time your brain was already pretty cemented (laughs) in your language learning (laughs) in high school. And so I've been eager to learn another language and have taken to... German. I know it's kind of like a harsh, not very beautiful sounding language as most people think, but I, um, I'm really drawn to it and it makes, it makes sense to me. Um, there's a lot of like Hmm. English overlap and after German, I want to learn Serbian. So we'll see how that goes. Oh,
2: that's
5: awesome. Wow. So this isn't, you're not stopping here. That's amazing.
0: (laughs) And what is your type?
4: Yeah. So I'm dominant in type four. Yeah. And then sensed it. Uh, self-preservation social and then one-to-one sexual repressed very repressed but we're working on it
2: <laughs> well i also i also cel- i also celebrated my 30th this year it was, it was my, <laughs> yeah, the so 19th anniversary That's right. of my 30th That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, 19th anniversary of my 30th birthday <laughs> and uh i'm still working on learning english but otherwise ashley and i've been to, doing some some good work together but I and my my main work is focused on learning and development in many different disciplines. Uh, I particularly have a passion for working with leaders largely focused on uh, mindset and awareness and just appreciating the impact they have on uh, other people's lives and um, and how they can have a a more integrated, lived experience. So it's a passion of mine, Uh, Enneagram has been a huge uh, enabler of that. It's not the only thing that I work with, but I found it to be pretty profound for people when we do get the chance to spend some time together. I co-host a podcast called The Evolving Leader Podcast, and for the last uh, six or seven months, maybe actually longer, nine months, I've been writing a book uh, that comes out next spring. Do we have a title? Yeah, it's called The Enneagram of Emotional Intelligence.
3: Yes.
2: Congrats. Awesome. That's amazing. That's Thank great. You. And
3: what Enneagram style do you most identify with?
2: I am a self preservation three and hey, social repressed too. and I'm working on that. Okay. <laughs> uh, so you said
0: you're still working on English. Is this Canadian, Australian, <laughs> British? I'm trying to learn what? the Queen's English
1: as well, oh, Queen's right. English. Cause I've got right, a lot of British right. friends
2: and, and they don't <laughs> like the way I speak.
1: Oh, uh,
4: yeah, I saw you same. go like this when Scott said self preservation three, you're like, put your fist in the air.
5: I uh, just, th- maybe that's, I was saying earlier that it, I feel like Scott and Drew already know each other, but maybe that's because <laughs> they are the, the, the same type, the same style. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah and, uh, so, both self threes. Uh, <laughs> uh, so what we'd love to get into now briefly uh, is to hear a little bit how you guys invited the Enneagram into your heart. <laughs> So, w- we, would guys, there was an altar would call. You guys mind sharing and... A little bit, was, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I see you. you I see you. Yes. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's that pretty ahead.
5: much my story. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, Ashley, would you mind sharing first, just a little bit how you uh, how the enneagram interrupted your life and kind of how that how that went for you?
4: Interrupt is um a good verb to put there. Yeah, I went to a uh, university in Southern California where there was a lot of leadership development opportunities where you're learning Myers-Briggs and other assessments and had, someone had taught Enneagram and um, I had picked up a Helen Palmer book and I remember reading it in my dorm room and I was reading through all of them and I read the two and I'm like, oh yeah that's kind of like me I read the three and I'm like oh yeah maybe this is actually a little bit more like me and then I read the four and I just was so like beside myself and had broken down and was really sad. And it's like, you think that you're experiencing more pain than anyone else and anyone, you know, in the whole world, but that's not true. That's something called ego. I'm like, it is true though. I'm in so much pain. (laughs) Um, And since there, since then, honestly, it's been my main tool for, personal transformation and development and even their seasons where I just kind of, you know, push Enneagram away, but it always ends up coming back when I see patterns of envy or self sabotage, you know, all things that mm-hmm. is talked about in Enneagram articulation of the type four patterns. Yeah. It's also mm-hmm. been a really helpful tool um, in my relationships and understanding my one-to-one or you know, subtype, the sexual type five partner, uh, mm. <laughs> and like comparing and contrasting. And I remember when we first were dating, we didn't have a lot of fun together. And someone had suggested you should do something fun. So we bought tickets, to, tickets to Disneyland. And we ended up <laughs> at a Starbucks together, reading next to each other for an hour <laughs> <laughs> at Disneyland. It was that a <laughs> There's too much happiness going on, and um, just kind of the enneagram. There are different
3: definitions
4: of fun, exactly, yes. and it helped help me feel a bit more normal too. Not so much like mm. an oddball.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, coming to Nashville, I would heard about the Enneagram, but coming to Nashville, I, I felt like I couldn't. Uh, everybody I talked to, I think the flight attendant on the on the ride out here when I was moving was probably asking me about the Enneagram because. <laughs> so I didn't I didn't know it was like part it was like required learning. So I'd resisted a little bit. I got right into it because I love systems like this. I've I'm certified in Myers Briggs and Hogan and an emotional intelligence profile, but I resisted Enneagram a little bit because I couldn't find my type for quite a while. I read about all the types mm. and kind of resonated with a bunch, but I, I hadn't read subtypes. And so I don't know how often you guys talk about subtypes, but um, as mm-hmm. a self-preservation three being a, a counter type, those don't get described in much literature very often. Mm. Usually what you're hearing described is the social three. So while I resonated with a bit of it, I was like, no, I'm far too like insecure and neurotic and anxious to be a three, right? So mm. um once i i got uh into beatrice's uh, complete enneagram book and i read about the self press three i was like okay she's had a nanny cam in my house the whole time <laughs> and uh <laughs> she's got me so uh yeah that was my and then after that i couldn't put it down i just drank the kool-aid and then i was like yeah i just was trying to figure out as you kind of do you're trying to figure out like who what your friends types are and your spouse hmm. and all the things and um yeah, it set me down a path and then uh, eventually led me to pursue a uh, certification. So I got certified through the CP Enneagram Academy uh, with Aranio and Beatrice. And that's where I met Ashley and uh, pitched her the idea for the Enneaflip.
0: Um, Scott, we'll stay with you. So tell us, what is something that is surprising or counterintuitive as it relates to your type or personality or just who you are as a person?
2: Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's a good question. I will maybe I'll come at it from a a way that I sometimes feel a bit misunderstood in my type, mm-hmm. if that's all right. I think I think with being a 3, sometimes people think that all we do is wake up every morning with just this list of goals in our head that we're just going to achieve. Wake up and grind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's not that's not really my experience and I and I certainly appreciate that. You know, threes have many goals and, and things they want to achieve, but the pursuit is always chasing a feeling and not an accomplishment. And so it's that mm. story that the three carries of I, I fear I have no worth. And so I'm going to set out trying to find that worth. And the way I'm going to do that is to try to impress you or try to get with the right people or accomplish the right things but it's not so I can put the points on the board. It's so I can put a sense of um, belonging and um, value in my heart, and that's the false story, obviously, of the three that they carry, and that's the work mm-hmm. the, of, of moving past that story. But um, sometimes when I talk to people about being a three, and they start going right into the goals, 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 like I don't, I don't have just a list of goals, but I'm very focused on, unconsciously, a lot of times focused on what I think the expectations are around me and then that sort of adapting to become that thing, which is the three story, obviously. And Mm -hmm. yeah. And the other thing I would say in that adaptation, I really do think it's very, very subtle. That self-deception passion is very, very real that the three doesn't recognize that they are shifting. And so part of my journey the last several years has been to see it, to observe it, to get a little disgusted by it and uh, start to uh, make Mm -hmm. other other choices mm. i don't oh, know if that answers great. your questions but that that's what I
0: works works for me okay. yeah yeah ashley how about you
4: well when i first started teaching the enneagram everybody always suspected i was either a seven or a type three um, mm. by how i present and would say things like wait you're not a four because you're not moody enough or you know your hair's not pink <laughs> and maybe like <laughs> put some basic Enneagram <laughs> stereotypes out there for mm. the artist or the individualist. And yeah. And I think that being the self-preservation for similar to Scott, it's just this, the the counter type. So the way that the self-preservation for copes with that envy. Um, so having that emotional passion of envy and always looking at people and saying, ah, oh, what do they have? What about their life? you know they they seem happy and i i want it i want what's something's missing in mine and really how i cope with that feeling and that suffering is by doing so i might look more like a 3 might look more like a 7 i'm always dabbling in all these projects and entrepreneur activities and really though at the end of the day when i self observe and like oh yeah like this is about like making myself feel complete but at the end of the day you know it's not it's not satisfying. It's like, that's, those aren't the things that I'm really seeking. And that, that's what I liked about Scott's answer too. It's like the seeking the emotion. I think you said, is like when you're thinking mm-hmm. about a three doing all these tasks, it's not just to cross out the, the tasks. It's like to feel, to feel good, to feel like you have value. And I think in different ways, also as a heart type, you know, I do all those things to be seen as unique and I want people to see me and I want to be known But not in those like exterior ways, but that's sometimes how we go about getting it. And yeah, I think I want to share one more thing that could be Mm -hmm. interesting. But as I've been self-observing, I've been really starting to see the emotions that aren't real and the emotions that are real. And surprisingly, Mm -hmm. most of my emotions are faux. So they're things that I've conjured up in my head and I've been learning how to emotionally regulate and have them move past me and how it's actually a lot more mental than it is like embodied. And I, I, you know, I'm hesitant to just throw out these binaries like real emotions versus faux emotions. But I mean, real emotions coming from like deep wounds and child pains versus like, this person didn't text me back, they don't like me, (laughs) or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. like someone didn't understand my art project. And just starting to like parse through, I think the four creates a lot of like narrative and drama. And starting to like see those, those, those things uh, separate Mm -hmm. has been really helpful. And I don't know if other heart types can also connect with that or just people in general, I'm sure.
0: Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah,
3: absolutely. That's that's great. And I love the curiosity about yourself that I hear in your answer, Ashley. So thank you. That's really beautiful. You've been curious about the emotion under the emotion. Right. Yeah. And um, so I wanted to ask you along those same lines of curiosity, your nine shapes project is actually on my Christmas wish list. Oh. So
1: <laughs> fingers
3: crossed. I'll have that <laughs> yeah. at Christmas time. And I'm so excited about it because I think it really Lindsay's
1: favorite things.
3: Right? <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> um, it really makes it accessible for people to um, be curious and ask questions and hear the stories coming from, from other people. So
4: can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I love that. And hopefully Sveta Nikola comes to your house and brings you Nine Shapes. Um, St. <laughs> Nick and Serbian. And yeah, the Nine Shapes project right before the pandemic. So like in 2018, when it was like there was this mainstream Enneagram tidal wave just hitting the United States, at least on the West Coast, it felt like. But, And um, I just... Saw a lot of quick, relationally lazy, reductionist thinking when it came into personality. Yes, say it, (laughs) say it. (laughs) And personality (laughs) is so huge and people are so mysterious. And I'm like, this is such a powerful tool, but maybe it makes up like 0.00002% of what it means to be that person. And people are assuming it's like 95%. And there was some disconnect there for me. So I started thinking about um, different Enneagram types. And when I would interact with my friends and I had a question about them through the lens of the Enneagram, I would write it down in my phone and then very slowly built this, you know, 72 card deck around the nine archetypes of the Enneagram and then also the intelligence centers. It's like, oh yeah, how would a heart type answer this? Or how would a body type answer this? And, or how would a type one, like, I want to know about anger and type one, like, tell me about that conflict in you. And there is something about having almost like this almsbud person card deck asking a question mm. instead of just saying like, you know, Scott, you're a type three. Tell me about your vanity. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
4: it's a little less like uh, aggressive and unassuming, but still yeah. getting at the. There's a the, the buffer. Exactly. <laughs> I really like that because I
3: think a lot of people have never been asked those questions about themselves, and so. You're learning about yourself and answering the question, but you're also looking another person right in the eye and hearing their story. It's it's great. I love it. Yes.
5: So getting down to the uh kind of I guess the primary reason we wanted to have you guys on, would you mind telling us what the heck the Enia flip is?
2: Yeah. Love yeah, to. Yeah,
5: I, I was in gymnastics when I was younger. It, it does it have anything <laughs> to do with that?
4: Yeah. It's this guide for teaching Maybe. you. About gymnastics principles and how to become more flexible.
2: (laughs) Your preferred gymnastic event by type. Yes, that's what it is. Yes, I love it. So the idea came to me with um, sitting in organizational uh, construct, well, organizational events with the Enneagram being taught um, in any kind of business setting or organizational life. When I wasn't teaching or when I was starting to do a little bit of workshops, the first question that comes up afterwards is, where can i how do i apply this where where do i learn more right what do i do with this right there's a lot of information here and i'd point people or i'd hear the instructor point people to books or you know a couple of websites that are good but it can be a little too academic for the newbie and i found that you know it's a safe assumption i think that for most people in an organizational context they're not going to go off and drink the Kool-Aid like we've all done, right? They're not going to probably mm-hmm. go on this like 10 book journey exploration. Some of them might, that's the hope. I've, I've known of a few people in my workshops that have gone on and, and pursued, but but for the vast majority, they're like, okay, this is super interesting. I can intuitively understand how this helps me have a little bit more awareness of myself and maybe understand that the people that I work with aren't intentionally trying to frustrate me, but I'm I'm going to forget stuff. So I was just thinking, how can we come up with something that's, a pragmatic, easy to use, intentionally tactile. This was, the idea came, was before COVID when we were in physical proximity and things. But you know, when we do a workshop, how can we have something on hand that people can take away? So the Inia Flip basically is a memory jogger of trying to remind people of the the depth of it and the richness of it in a way that's not overwhelming or too academic. The center of the book, the part that, that was named Flip is because, um, I know this is not a visual medium, but basically if you open the of Flip to the center, you'll see the nine types um, on a spiral on the left and the nine types on the right. So the idea would be, oh, I'm about to go meet with Seth, who's a nine. I'm a three. What is what is What do nines talk about again? Or what's their communication style? I, mm. I kind of forget. So I flip to my side on the left. I go type three. Here's a refresher on my communication style and my blind spots potentially and how I can be better at work. And just on one page, just some reminders. And, oh, on the right side, here's Seth's type. And this is everything I should be reminded about his genius that he brings to work and his communication style and some of his potential blind spots and how I might be able to better communicate with Seth. And so the idea would be that teams could immediately just put the enneagram into practice in an ethical and helpful way.
1: Yeah, it's fun to play around with too, and and uh, uh, we'll give links to uh, where people can check it out and all of that. But uh, you have a good good visuals on your website to kind of illustrate since it is such a visual and tactile tool. It's probably it's hard difficult for our listeners maybe to yeah really uh, conceptualize it, but we'll we'll make sure that they have the ability to go check it out for sure.
2: Thank you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The flip
4: is Scott's idea baby. And I think it really does illuminate the strengths of a type three and him thinking about like, Oh yeah, like practically people aren't going to go read all these Enneagram books and apply it for learning, but then they still want to do something after learning about it in an office setting, corporate environments, people are moving so quick. So what are like just the gems of the Enneagram? Like what are the things that will really help people and list it out? And that was, and and, you know, having this physical kinesthetic product like on their desk actually. And a lot of my clients um, at Sway, they'll, they'll talk about this all the time. They're like, Oh yeah, I went into a meeting with so-and-so and and I picked up my Enneaflip and I quickly flipped to um, their type, my type, where one of it's in first person and then second person's in the, the other side. So it's like, oh, yeah, you're great at this and they're great at this. And it's a really great quick comparison. But I do think it does, mm-hmm. like I said, showcase how a three's mind can work. Because when Scott was first explaining it to me, I was like, wait, you want like a quick resource? No, no, no. If people are going to have the Enneagram, you know, they're going to need to study it for five years, go to psychotherapy <laughs> once a week. <laughs> um but he really yeah. saw it come to life.
0: It's cool. So you all have obviously put some some work into this book and it's it seems as if it's working on some level like it's useful to some people. I'm curious what are this is kind of a two-parter question, but what have you found it um, as, as you've introduced Enneagram to companies and organizations? What have you found to be maybe the biggest challenge? And then second part of that would be, in what ways have you found the Enneagram to either? What would you say it's? Is its limitations? I guess in order for people to not misuse the book.
4: Yeah, and I'll I'll start by saying first off, introducing Enneagram to organization, although you know, it can be really dangerous. You're introducing this tool that is talking about ego and the first five years of life and how you are shaped and um, conditioned, and also. It's this great playground um, be like having this tool for understanding yourself and understanding the people around you. You're side by side working with folks 40, sometimes more hours a week. and obvious, and you're doing a lot of work. There's um, you know, a lot of projects, tasks, whatever. So there's it's right for conflict. And Enneagram is such a great tool for understanding yourself through the friction that happens in just everyday stressors, everyday conflict that just is so natural and a part of life. So I guess my first like impulse is I've been pleasantly surprised at like how great the Enneagram is for just giving people a framework for, for dealing with that conflict. And then I guess the underbelly of that too is any sort of like conflict resolution or understanding yourself deeper awareness. Ah. Takes a lot of time. Guess who doesn't have a lot of time? <laughs> Busy yeah. corporate That's right. uh, Western companies. Um, there's not enough time. Right. People are always wanting more, not wanting to go deeper. And I know this is a stereotype, but as far as my experience, it seems to be quite true. Um, and it doesn't just take eight hours once a year, it takes consistency. Mm. It's like learning mm-hmm. a language, right? Um, it takes like daily practice to self observe. It takes um, monthly team gatherings. Um, so I, I find the struggle is is in really convincing teams or teaching teams how to continue it um, like you would continue to learn a language. So folks really do apply it um, for their own personal growth and then obviously then team cohesion, stronger dynamics. Scott, mm-hmm. what would you add or change about that?
2: I wouldn't change anything. I would say, I don't know if it's just relegated to organizations, but just people in general. I don't think anybody walks through life thinking that they lack self awareness. Right. So to your point about convincing, right? That sort of that holding up a mirror to say, Are you sure you know about everything that's going on underneath the waterline of consciousness? Are you sure about that? Right. And for some, the brave, they'll step into that and they'll have these like, oh crap moments, even, you know, in a corporate setting and say yeah. and that you can just see their eyes widen and they're like, okay, I've got I've got to learn more. Mm and others you know they just have more of a, a crossed arm posture of no i'm 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 good right i let
4: me dovetail off of that really quickly well it reminds mm-hmm. me of what the famous poet alexander pope says you know like a little knowledge is a dangerous thing and um i've had handfuls of like these 50 minute or sorry 15 minute coaching consult calls with ceos and vps and one of the first things they tell me is that they're very self-aware and it's become a little bit of like a trope or cliche now to me and it's like oh now it's like triggering my mind it's like that's like one of the ego protections like by the way i don't need you but i'm having this call but i'm very self-aware and it just was reminding me of what you were saying scott it's like being able to like engage in that part it's not it's not a given um and a lot of people go through life thinking oh yeah i'm quite (laughs) self-aware
2: I think most of the people are well-intentioned. So I do think that on the positive side, even if those that are are presuming they're Mm -hmm. self-aware and that the the system doesn't have much to offer them, you know, I think most of the time, especially most of the leaders I deal with, uh, the vast majority are really well-intentioned and want to show up well and want to be effective and want an engaged team. And so when you can leverage this as a mechanism for that, right, You can sometimes redirect the what might feel like an intrusive like a bit of an intrusion into their own personal stuff and direct it outwards like this is how it's going to help you create Mm -hmm. engaged teams who give discretionary effort and who Mm -hmm. show up with the best selves and then through that journey whether they wanted to or not they start to make discoveries about themselves and hopefully make little shifts along the way
0: yeah yeah so just the second part of that question is we often understand things best in contrast right so in what ways would you say the Inya Flip is limited, so as people know where the bounds are, and that this isn't a
2: tool that can just solve all things? Like, what are what are its bounds and its limitations? Well, by the the nature of the design, it has quite a few. Con- it's very constrained. Um, mm-hmm. It's a it's a memory jogger, but we did our best to squeeze as many words that Sure. without making the typeface too small that we found. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I would say you know, it doesn't get into subtypes or instincts mm-hmm. at all. There is some tips for growth paths, but it's not in depth on like, okay, mm-hmm. what do I do to, you know, really engage with my own blind spots and things. Ashley, what would you add? What, what are its limitations? Yeah.
4: It's not a guide for how to grow using your Enneagram
2: mm-hmm.
4: type. It, it just really isn't. And I think about books that I've read, like BN Aranio's new book, the Enneagram guide to waking up. It's like, this is how you can grow with your type. Here's some, some, it's not even heres some things. it's right. like here's the narrative that you're tr- trying to pay attention for right. and see in yourself. And that's not the any flip. It's quite literally yeah. I like your question bound like it's bound yeah. in this little spiral and is meant to be a memory jogger quick resource on the side of your desk. It's like I learned this. but wait, what is it again? I want to apply it yeah. I'm I'm busy, mm-hmm. I'm at work. okay. I'm, let me, let me just pick it up real quick and take a peek.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for engaging that question. No, that's a little, it's a little weird, weird of a question, I want more questions like that. It's good.
5: (laughs) I think, I think, uh, you know, we who have been swimming in the water for of the Enneagram for a while, like you said, the analogy, the Kool-Aid I dumped, gallons and gallons of Kool-Aid in my home and I've been swimming in it. I didn't just drink it, you know? So I think it's, are we talking about uh, the Enneagram now? I'm confused.
3: (laughs) Kool-Aid, man. Sort
5: of, sort of. Uh, no, we've, you know, it's easy for us to not be blown away by this thing, but when new people come to this limited resource, it's still, I would say is pretty enlightening. It's still pretty Mm. insightful. So it seems as though it's like it's, it gives deep insight and it leaves you wanting to know more, but it's, it's still pretty, valuable as you guys have it just as the bounded thing it is yeah
2: cool right thank you for saying that um yeah Yeah. a lot of uh, i i think our keep me honest ashley the our number one clients coming to this are practitioners people who want to bring something to their workshops and things so uh, we're getting a lot of positive feedback that it's really supplementing their efforts in that space with people coming to the system for the first time Mm -hmm.
5: definitely Yeah. yeah
2: Well, um, coming
5: to a close here, y'all, uh, I just wanted to ask, where is the best place that people can find this uh, tool, the Enneaflip, but also you, uh, your Sway Leadership? Yeah. Where can people find you guys?
4: So the Enneaflip, you can find at swayleadership.com, and it's under um, resources, or if you just wanted to go to swayleadership.com slash Enneaflip, you'll be directed right there. Hmm.
5: Cool. What about if people want to know more about you? Oh, yeah they, yeah. they can
4: find me, send a contact form to say hello through Sway Leadership. Absolutely. Or you can just come straight to Iowa City. I live on Dodge Street.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. All
0: right. Open invite. All right. Yeah. That's um, great. great. Uh, we are not responsible I, for crazies that show up at your uh, door. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just we, we may
1: let out for your safety.
4: <laughs> Dog street is quite quite large.
2: Okay, okay, and, okay. Well, <laughs> still limited. Folks can follow me on Instagram at eq enneagram, eq for emotional intelligence. And uh, I try to post pretty regularly. Haven't been posting as regularly because I've been writing. But yeah, find me there or on LinkedIn or Twitter. And when
4: is your new book coming out?
2: uh april 23rd i think 23rd. okay that's 23rd. awesome it remind us of the title it's called the enneagram of emotional intelligence oh,
1: wonderful. wonderful
2: and uh it's about a, it's uh a, it's a, it's trying to take a new look at emotional intelligence i think there's a lot of things we get wrong in that space and so i'm attempting to come at it from hopefully a very fresh approach
0: yes yeah. well, great. that's exciting that's exciting well thanks so much both thank of you it's been, it's been a wonderful conversation and uh, I'm looking forward to just I don't know, interacting more with you all uh, I'm, I'm yep. liking the vibes I'm liking the vibes <laughs> <laughs> thank, you. thank you Awesome. thanks for listening to this episode of Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast if you found this episode helpful in any way, consider sharing it with a friend or family member we are so honored to be on this journey with you Discovering our inner depths one fathom at a time.
4: fall asleep with creek i don't know
0: that's for our only fans account <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> <laughs> all right um all right this is going we, well
3: uh, that's the top level
1: patreon yeah. <laughs>
0: all right well we are recording now um drew yeah so we um she gone and uh we will continue as if she's Act. still here. Um and I'll have her like insert some hmm ha ha, ha oh, yeah. throughout the episode. <laughs> liked it. <to>. Brilliant. Filler.
1: <laughs> <laughs> She'll laugh laugh at all of our jokes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Um
5: uh, all right. I'm gonna take us from here, y'all. Um